Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. If you're interested in more information about our church, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. We've been looking at Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 26, and we've been covering as far as what Paul has been teaching us about uh, what it means for me to live as Christ, but to die is gain. And if there's any children like to be dismissed, you're more than welcome to head on downstairs. And uh, we've, we've kind of really dealt extensively with uh, what uh, Paul has said here for me to live as Christ, but now we're going to really turn our focus to this other part of the passage, what Paul says, uh, to die is gain. And if I were to ask you what word you would associate with the word death, uh, more than likely it would not be the word gain. Sometimes when we think of the word death, we think of uh, things as being a terrible loss. Uh, We think of the uh, things of suffering. Um, We think of uh, uh, somebody that... uh, too, too early, too close, uh, you know, it, it's all those types of things. Not enough time. Sometimes when uh, we think about somebody who is suffering a great deal of pain and uh, that person dies, uh, we, we look at that, we say, boy, that death was merciful because uh, God took them and did not allow them to continue to suffer. Um, but normally we, we view death as a, as, a, as a tragedy, as something that's very tragic, something that, that happens abruptly, and uh, sometimes that we're not prepared for. Uh, we just heard testimony today is what uh, Omer shared uh, with the, uh, his friend that uh, had passed away. We heard about uh, Becky that shared about uh, her sister-in-law and a high school friend that uh, passed away. And so... Um, When we go through death, when we talk about death, sometimes we're just not very prepared for it. But Paul says here, to die is gain. That's something that he he looked forward to as as far as uh, death. And uh, what has often been stated is a person is not ready to live unless he is ready to die. To live properly, we then must live purposefully and always in view of both the certainty of death and the uncertainty of when it will occur. You know, every person is faced with two fundamental questions in life. And those questions are, what is life and what is death? And you know, religions all over the world uh, try to answer those two questions. What is life? And what is death? And uh, Paul sums it up for us. He says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. You know, some believe that life is based upon what you do in this life, racking up good deeds uh, so that when the judgment day comes, that uh, hopefully God will take all your good deeds and take all your bad deeds and he'll just kind of weigh them out. And if the good outweighs the bad, then hey, I got it made. There are many others here who live in the Goshen, Middlebury, Elkhart area that answers those questions of what is life and what is death with this way. To live is self and to die is loss. Life is all about the self and to die is to lose everything. 
But that's very different from what the Bible teaches us about what is death and what God's word has to say about what death is. You know, there might be some here today that uh, have a very skewed view of what death is. There might be some that are watching online that have a very skewed death, a, a skewed view of what life is or what death is. Um, and it's my prayer for you that today you'll leave behind any preconceived ideas, leave behind any traditions, and really just listen to what the Word of God teaches about what death really is and uh, what the Bible says death is and how we can be prepared for it. And uh, I submit to you that uh, for those of you that know Christ, that you cannot live the Christian life properly unless you understand the Christian perspective on death, what, what death really is. Um, our views of death must be based on the truthfulness of God's word and not what maybe uh, we have as a tradition or what uh, we may have been brought up with. We must base everything upon the truthfulness of God's word. So today, what I'd like for you to take away with you today is this. Am I ready to die? Am I ready to die? Oftentimes, uh, being in the type of uh, work that I'm involved with, sometimes people will want to talk with me and say, I want to let you know that when I die, this is what I want to be said. This is what I want people to know. We never think about that, right? It's kind of like that uh, thing, what do you want on your tombstone? Pepperoni, sausage, <laughs> tombstone pizza. But we never think about that, right? We never really plan for death. It's not something that we, we have in our minds to think about because it's really, it's uncomfortable to think about. But God's word gives us the instructions on how we can be prepared for death. And so let's take a look here at our passage that we've been looking at as what Paul says here about dying is gain. Verse 19, Paul says this, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. When we look here at uh, Paul's statement here, remember where he was. Paul was under house arrest. He was chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, as he's there chained, he's writing this letter to the Philippian believers, thanking them for a gift that they had sent him. And he's telling them, saying, listen, everything that's happened to me in my life, I know that God is going to use it for good. I know that God's going to use it for a purpose, that the gospel would go forth, that the people would come to know Christ. And he tells them here, he says, whether it's by life or by death, I want to honor the Lord in my body. 
And so no wonder why Paul here says that uh, he did not fear death. And in fact, he even welcomed it because he even says it's far better for me. He says for me to depart, it'd be far better for me. In fact, it was later on that we read that Paul was put to death by beheading for preaching the gospel and serving Christ. Notice what Paul says here about living and dying, specifically here in verses 20 through 23. Paul says this, as it is my eager expectation and hope, I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart, to be with Christ, for that is far better. Can you imagine having to make up that decision whether or not it would be better for you to remain in the flesh or to die and be with Christ? That's what Paul was struggling with here. And he's saying, I know that I have no fear of death because I know it's going to be great gain for me because he says it's going to be far better. Now, when we think about that, we think about this idea that Paul, I mean, think about all the stuff that he had gone through in life. Remember as we read about one of that stuff that he went through? He had endured stonings and uh, persecution. He had been beaten. He had been shipwrecked. He'd been in danger by his own countrymen. He'd been, oftentimes, he had been without food. He was in prison. And we think, okay, here's Paul. He's in this situation. And he's like, oh boy, if I could just get out of this situa situation, it'll be far better for me to be with Christ. Nope, that's not what Paul's meaning by this. Because he even looked at those situations with great joy. He considered them joyful situations because he knew that Christ was being exalted. He's looking at all this and he's saying, look, all of these things in life that bring me joy, being in prison, being persecuted, having a lot of problems in my life, he says, I consider those things joyous. But guess what? Something far better is coming. That's how Paul viewed life. And so when we talk about what does it mean to die is gain, what does it mean? How should a Christian view death? You see, whether he lived or died, Paul's aim was to exalt Christ, whether by death or by life, that Christ would be exalted. And so if by his faithful witness in dying, Paul could bear witness to the hope of the gospel, then he was ready to go. He was ready. You see, the time of death for the believer should be a time of bearing witness to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians should die well. As we heard uh, just in testimony, the fact that if you're a believer in Christ and you die, make sure that you are going to leave a testimony that people know that you know the Lord, that you know Christ. God's word gives us many of the believers who died because of their faith in Jesus Christ. I challenge you to read through uh, Hebrews 11 on your own and see all those who gave their life for the Lord, who died for the Lord, for the testimony of the Lord. But you know, history is replete with the deaths of faithful servants of Christ who were martyred for preaching the gospel and who lived a life of, of, of unashamedly following Jesus Christ. During the reign of Mary, Queen of Scots, also known as Bloody Mary, 
Many Christians were put to death for following Jesus, for preaching the word of God. I have a book in my study that is called Fox's Book of Martyrs, and it's just filled with these stories of people that knew the Lord and followed the Lord, and they were put to death for their faith in the Lord. On February 9th, 19, in 1555, Roland Taylor was sent from London to the town where he had been pastor to be burned in front of his former church members. When he got within two miles of the town, the sheriff asked him how he felt, and he replied this way, God be praised, Master Sheriff, never better. For now I am almost at home. I lack but just two styles to go over, and I am even at my father's house. As his church members lined the streets and greeted him with tears and lamentations, he repeatedly said, I have preached to you God's word and truth and am come this day to seal it with my blood. On July 15, 1555, John Bradford, age 35, at the stake after kissing it, he held his hands toward heaven and cried, O England, England, repent thee of thy sins. Beware of idolatry, beware of false antichrist. Take heed, they do not deceive you. Then he turned to a young man about to be executed with him and said, Be of good comfort, brother, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night. These people were prepared to die. Paul said to die is gain. He knew that. You see, we may not have to die a painful martyr's death, but we should view our death as a time to exalt the Savior, both by our attitudes and our words. Then, to die will be gain. So are you ready to die? Are you ready? Let's look at the second thing here. Death is not the end. Notice Paul's words here, again, in verses 21 through 23. He says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. You see, Paul did not view death as the end all. He knew that there was something greater, far greater. Think of how quickly life passes away. God's word tells us that our life is but like a mist. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. It tells us that all of flesh is like grass. It's there and it's cut down. How do you view death? Sadly, there are many who are terrified of dying, and as you get older and older, the thought of dying is troubling to you. You see, when we begin to notice of how uncertain life is in this world, we tend to shrink back because the fear of death is ever looming in front of us. But did you know the moment that you were born, you began to die? From day one, when you took your very first breath and you were born, you began to die. Your body began to break down and decompose. And so death has always surrounded you from the very beginning. God's word tells us in Hebrews 9, 27, and just as is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. To those who know Christ, death is not something to be feared, but something to be welcomed. 
And I want you to notice Paul's words here again. Look what Paul calls death. Look what he says here in verse 23. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to what? Depart. That's how Paul viewed death, a departure. That word depart is a rather interesting word. The word was used of soldiers taking down their tents to move on. Paul says that at death, our tent, our body is taken down while our spirit goes to be with the Lord. Listen to what uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verses 1 through 8, teaches us about death. Paul says this, For we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Sailors actually used to use this word to depart, to describe a ship that is being loosed from the dock. You know how they have those ropes, and they tie the ship up? And they say, okay, we're going to depart. Take off the ropes. Let's leave. And we're departing. At death, the believer sets sail from this world, but safely arrives at heaven's shore. It was also used as a political word describing the freeing of a prisoner. And this body holds us prisoner to various temptations and weaknesses, but death sets us free, is what Romans chapter 7 and 8 teaches us. The word was also used by farmers, meaning to unyoke the oxen when their work was over. Death means laying down the burdens and concerns of our labors for Christ here and to join him in that place where there will be no death, no mourning, no crying, and no pain. Revelation chapter 21, 4 says, He, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will not exist anymore. Or mourning, or crying, or pain, or the former things have ceased to exist. And so from these teachings, then we can conclude that at the moment of death of a Christian, one who knows the Lord as their Savior, immediately goes to be in the very presence of Christ, is what Paul says here in verse 23. He says this, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with who? With Christ. He says, if I leave, if I die, if there's a departure, he says, I'm going to be with Christ immediately. He knows that. In fact, Paul stated in 2 Corinthians 5.8, he says, thus we are full of courage and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So death is not at all the end for the believer in Christ. Paul says to depart and to be with Christ is far better. The only way that he can say that is if his soul goes immediately to be with Christ's presence, where he'll be accepted, not based upon what he's done in life, not based upon his good works, not based upon because he said some prayers or he did some things, solely based upon the fact of his righteousness standing in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior.
And that's the only way that any of us will ever see the Lord. Not because of what we do in life, but solely based upon the righteousness of Christ. You have to have the righteousness of Christ applied to your account. But what about those who do not know the Lord? What does death mean for them? You know, all of us are created for eternity. All of us. And there's only one or two places that we will spend eternity, either in the presence of Christ in heaven with the Lord, or sadly, in hell, in the lake of fire, being tormented day and night. You see, eternity is so certain that God gave us his word on what, we, what he says about it and how we can know where we're going to go when we're going to die. Perhaps you're listening today and you've probably been thinking about those types of things. Death, uncertainty. Perhaps the thoughts of what is going to happen to me when I die trouble you. Remember I had said every person is faced with two fundamental questions, what is life and what is death? Will you be in the presence of Christ? Like Paul could say with absolute certainty. How do you know that? One of the ways that a Christian is distinguished from the unbeliever is by his attitude towards death. For Paul, death was a promotion. <laughs> he looked forward to it. For Paul, death looked at death and he says, this is it. I, I'm ready to go. There's no doubt about it where I'm headed. For the unbeliever, death is a terrifying thought. May I ask you, how do you deal with death? How do you deal with death? Early on, uh, when I was uh, an assistant pastor at a church in uh, Ohio, um, there were many times that I had the opportunity to do a funeral for, for people. And one funeral really sticks out in my mind that uh, I was a part of. And usually at the end of the, the funeral, the body will be laying there in the casket. And after everybody comes by and views the body for one last time, they usually then allow the family to come and view the body, spend some extra time there. And uh, as a minister, as a pastor, you're usually just standing there at the head of the casket and you're just listening, you're praying, you're watching. And this one funeral that I did for this man, the family, they did not know the Lord. And you could tell just by the, by the, the, the grief that these people were, were, were bearing out of their, of, their, of their heart. And I'm not kidding you, the, there was a daughter there that went up and it was her father that had died. And she literally grabbed the body of her father and began to weep uncontrollably. Why, why, why did you die? Why did you die? Why did you die? Crying, crying, crying. And she would not let go. The funeral uh, director actually had to come and they had to literally pry her fingers off of her father's body. Now, death is, a, death is a, a horrible thing. But here I was watching and listening and seeing people that had no clue of, of what this meant. They thought, this is the end. This is the end. This is it. But Paul says, I know. He says, I know with absolute certainty 
If I depart, I'm going to be with Christ. Can you say the exact same thing? Can you know that for absolute certainty that you'll be with Christ? Listen to what God says here about those that die without the Lord. You see, Paul was a very religious man. He was very zealous, but he did not count on that for being his reason why he was going to be with the Lord. There are many people that trust in their good works. They trust in their, their church attendance. They trust in baptism. They trust in who knows, all kinds of things. But they do not know the Lord. Listen to those who are trusting in their good works, have not come to faith in Christ. Listen to what they have prepared for them. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 in verses uh, 3 through 12 says this. These are people who do not know the Lord. Listen to what Paul says. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with afflictions those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now listen, here it is to those who do not know the Lord. In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed to this end, we will always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's very clear here. He says those that do not know the Lord will suffer eternal punishment and vengeance from God. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and 15 has this to say about it. Then I saw a great white throne and him who, see, who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I want to speak to you very, very plainly. Please listen. There are many religious people, people who are loving, caring, moral, hard workers. They take care of their families. They never cause any problems in life. 
They don't go out and rob convenience stores or they're not baby murderers or any types of things like that. And people who are good people that we would consider as good people, moral people, but if these people do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's what God says about it. That's truth. There are many that trust their good works, their religious status, or some other reason. Christ said that there will be many on that day that will say, Lord, Lord, did I not do this? Did I not do that? Did I not do this? Did I not do that? And Jesus will say to them on that day, depart from me, you cursed work of iniquity. I never knew you. So what is the answer to the fear of death? What is the answer of knowing for certainty that we can face death with joy as Paul did? Well, the answer is you have to know Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. All of us, myself included, are born a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, all of us have a death payment. Death is coming for all of us. We die, and we will be judged for our sin if we do not know the Lord. But here's the great news about all this. You see, Christ himself came to this earth. He lived a sinless life because he was God. He performed many miracles proving who he was. He walked and lived among us here on this earth. And then he was taken to a cross. He was beaten. He was spit upon. He was mocked. He was scourged. And there they nailed him to a cross and while he was on that cross, Jesus took upon himself the full punishment that you and I deserve for our sins. And Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And Christ bore your sin debt on that cross, and he died. And they put him in the, the grave and three days later, he resurrected, proving that he has all power over sin, death, and the grave. So what is the answer to death? You have to know Christ. You have to know him. That's why Jesus says, no man comes unto the Father except through me. You don't get to Christ any other way. You don't get to Christ by being religious. You don't get to Christ by doing good works. You don't get to Christ by joining some church. You get to Christ by knowing him, by accepting him, by trusting him, his shed blood, his death for you. At the age of 19, I had found myself in a mess, terrible mess. I was addicted to drugs. I was stealing money from my family to support my drug habit. I did not know the Lord. I went to church. I didn't know the Lord. 
I sat down at tables and heard prayers and uh, went to church uh, for Easter and Christmas and all that kind of stuff. I didn't know the Lord. I even had a Bible. I didn't even know the Lord. But I heard the gospel, just what I just told you, how Christ died for me. And Christ revealed himself. He showed me that I was a horrible, miserable sinner. And there was nothing that I could do to have my sins forgiven except by trusting him. And by faith, I turned to him. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And by faith, I turned to Christ. I repented of the way that I was living. I was sick and tired of the way that I was living. I'm sick of the, the sin and the hypocrisy and the deceit and the lying. I was sick of it. And I wanted Christ. I wanted Jesus. And Jesus saved me, changed my life, made me into a new creation in Christ. I want to share with you two more passages of Scripture out of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 15 has this to say, For it was fitting for him, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings, for indeed, he who makes holy and those being made holy all have the same origin, and so he is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. Again, he says, I will be confident in him. And again, here I am with the children of God has given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he likewise shared in their humanity. This is speaking of Christ so that through death he, Christ, could destroy the one who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and set free those who were held in slavery all their lives by their fear of death. You see, when you know Christ, you are no longer a slave to death. You are no longer a slave to the fear of death because Christ sets us free. I urge you, if you are terrified of death, to find the freedom that only Jesus Christ can give. Don't trust your religion. Don't trust good works. Don't trust, don't trust me. <laughs> trust Christ, Christ alone. He's the only one because your eternity depends upon it. And if you know the Lord, praise God because in reality, you can look at death as being a welcoming event to saying it's graduation day, I'm being promoted, and it's something to welcome in your life. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifewiththeridge.church.